0: Oh, what a worship service already from barre to Ave Maria, from Spanish to Latin with a little two-step in the middle. You know, I was dancing with my dress earlier, and then I wanted to two-step. It is one of those Sundays for hearing the Spirit move you. And if you feel like dancing, go right ahead. Go right ahead. So here we are on Mother's Day, and I wanted to call out for Mother's Day that part of our music already this morning, I don't know if y'all noticed that Ruthie was up there expecting. <laughs> Zach was playing the guitar, and Ruthie's up there expecting. She already has she already has one mother, but she's expecting a second child. And I lifted up another mother in service with us this morning, also that Jennifer was up there dancing with her son, Zachary, and so we appreciate all these wonderful moms in our congregation and this wonderful start to our worship today and i want you to think about that song in the middle where they talked about you know looking for diamonds and only finding coal you know as we start this day last week we talked about waking up and this week we're going to talk about what it means to go forward after you wake up without getting pulled back into what it was before but how do you wake up and continue to move forward in your life and that song had that wonderful image of we're treading water. You know, so many times in our life it feels like we're just treading water. You know, and, and how can we move forward when, wait, I can just barely breathe. You know, just this much more water and I can't breathe anymore. And so as we, as we engage the scripture today and the stories from our writer today, to keep in mind that they are so aware in our lives that waking up has a cost to it. Waking up takes energy. Waking up takes a journey for us to take, and if we don't let ourselves too much appreciate what not knowing was like, you know, we don't go back that we move forward. So here today, let's talk about what it means to embrace your messy, beautiful life by committing to a future where you stay awake, a future where you are not asleep anymore. The song said to follow your head and follow your heart. As people of faith in this place, you're asked to follow both, your heart and your head. The part that helps you think and make sense and is rational, and the part that helps you be emotional and connect and be passionate. So we are about both of those things in this world. Yesterday we had a panel, two panels in the congregation. We did a workshop that was created by Reverend Denise, and it was entitled Faith and Family Dynamics. And it was Lift Every Voice. And specifically, it lifted the voices of black transgender persons in our world. Uh, because so far this year, 10 black trans people of color, transgender women specifically, have been killed. And so we had 10 candles across the front of our altar table here and named names and lit those candles. And in the workshop, in the teaching for us, because we're all learning, right? There's always something new for us to learn. The first panel up was trans, Parents of Transgender People. And in that panel, we had several moms who talked about what a joy it was in their life to get to know their child in a new way. Not that it hadn't been a struggle, but that now what a joy it was for their child to be happy, for their had to walk into who God meant them to be, and for them to be there with them. And then on the panel of transgender persons themselves, we had some trans men and some trans women, all African American. One, one of the women is known as Mama. Her name is Atlantis. And for all of these different people who go on this journey and sometimes lose their families, some of us know what it's like to lose our family. She is then Mama for any of those who need a Mama to come and find her. And I was teasing Margaret Chandler in our early service because she and her husband were here, but their adult sons were not. And I said, it's Mother's Day. Where are the boys? And she said, oh, they're with the other part of our family. And and she said, but I'll be mother to anyone who wants it. So thankful that we have those people in our congregation. The mothers to anyone who needs a mom in our congregation. And so thankful that resurrection took a step out. Uh, Because there are a lot of clergy in this space to talk about what it means to have transgender people of color being killed and what it means to grow up as people of faith and to be awakened to a new sense of who you are and how to take take a journey into that space. Oh, goodness. Is that a cross to pick up or what? You know, our scripture this morning talks about Jesus saying, pick up your cross if you still want to follow me. Not if you want to be a follower, but if you still want to follow me, pick up your cross. You know, and that's important because in this gospel at that point in time, the chapter before, Jesus has just fed the thousand of them. And he just asked Peter who Peter says he is, and Peter says, you are the Lord. And so we have this proclamation. And then after this saying is what's called the transfiguration, where Jesus goes up on the mountain and there's this figure of Elijah and Moses that join him there. So, but between these two high points of feeding thousands and what they call Jesus' popularity, Jesus puts this little bit right in the middle. If you want to continue following me, you're just going to have to pick up your own cross. That doesn't make him as popular. Feed me, heal me, but don't challenge me, Jesus. Jesus. I don't know how many of you came here this morning like that. Feed me, heal me, church, but don't challenge me, church. But Jesus says, pick it up yourself if you still want to follow, right? Because at this point in the gospel story, there's a lot of people who left. There's a lot of people who chose not to follow Jesus any further because it started getting just a little bit too hard. It started to get where they might have to commit it's not to something that more than just following. They had to commit to something more than just being fed or being healed. They had to commit to be a servant, to be a part, to move forward with Jesus in this. Our our writer uh, of the book that we're studying right now talks about in her life waking up, and for her it was a big moment of uh, turning to sobriety. She and a fellow drunk had gotten together, and they got pregnant. You know, and it's amazing how straight people do that sort of thing. <laughs> Just happens all the time. The, the two of them were drunk and they got together and they they found themselves pregnant and it jolted her awake. Because she had been drugging and she had been drinking and she had been sexing and all of a sudden something was different in her life and she woke up and she paid attention to it. But she didn't always want to. So she sometimes wanted to go backwards. And so that she was able to deny the way things were in her life again. ...because life had been hard for her. And she talks about being sober meant having to learn how to be an adult. And she didn't know how. She kind of missed that part. And she reminded me of my friend Debbie... ...who for a year I was her roommate in her first year of sobriety. And I remember about nine months into sobriety... ...Debbie decided that she was ready to go on a date sober... you know, ...without the help of alcohol or anything else. And she was terrified... It's like, I haven't done this before. I have to learn it all over again. I've been drunk since I was 13. I don't know how to go on a date. Oh, goodness gracious, I need something to calm me down. And I was with her listening and just said, well, I'll be here in the apartment when you come home. I don't know how much calming that is, but you are not alone. <laughs> you are not alone. Go try this without trying to go back into not being awake anymore. But what does it mean that God wants you to connect with people in ways that you can remember in the morning? In ways that you might even know their name. Before, during, and after. You know? What does it mean? Okay, so. So one of the ways that we all have to learn when we have these periods of waking up. It's how to then be different than we have been. Because part of the being asleep was part of our armor. Part of it was ways that we survived. And you need to know that in the medical world, they understand that denial is the next best surviving skill. Other than actually facing the truth. Denial is just a few percentage points under facing the truth. And so if someone's really deep in denial, you don't want to take it away from them until you're ready to support them and what it means to be awake and what it means to move forward in their life. But I'd like for you to hear in her own words what it was like after she woke up.
1: So then one day, I went to the playground with one of my new friends from church named Tess. Now, I had suspected that Tess was having trouble in her marriage, but we didn't talk about this. You see, we were too busy talking about more important things, like soccer practice and highlights. That frustrated me, though, that our conversations never went any deeper. It just seemed that we were never incapable of discussing the very things that was most important to discuss. So, lost in my frustration, I started thinking about all of the time and the efforts that I had put in building these protective layers between my broken heart and the broken world. Now, I had considered all the space that I had placed between myself and people. People who could have hurt me more than I was already hurting. People who possibly would have been disgusted to see the whole real me. And fear of being seen I let myself go into a bunker of addiction for decades. But when I pulled myself up, when I pulled up, I took hold of all the shame and all the secrets. And I pulled them like armor. And I carried my invulnerabilities like weapons. Now you see, for me, life always seemed to be a battle to survive. But that day in that park, I decided that surviving was no longer acceptable. Sitting there with Tess, I realized that I really wasn't sitting with Tess at all. You see, with all my layers of armor and all her layers of armor, we really couldn't touch one another. And even if we wanted to, we really couldn't. Because we had been shooting each other with all the stories of a perfect life. Now see, I felt that all of this, all of this was, it was ridiculous. Yes, sure, I'm now sober and now free. But by me denying my past to be seen by people and protecting myself with shields of shame and secrets, I was only isolating myself, and I was bored. And let me tell you, living a life where you can't touch and connect with people is boring as hell. So I thought maybe, just maybe, that I could fight this life called the battle without the armor and without the weapons that maybe just maybe if we peel back all of the layers of protection that we have built around our hearts and just step out on the battlefield of life naked maybe we would see some more good and life would be more interesting I thought to myself, I thought to myself that if I laid down my guns, would Tess lay down hers too? And I thought this to be a worthy experiment. So I peeled back all the layers, all the layers of armor, and I waved my white flag.
0: What if we lay down the layers we put around us? Around our broken heart to protect us from a broken world? What if we stop shooting perfection stories at each other? What if we commit to not doing it ever again and stay on that journey of being authentic and true and live and vulnerable and not bored in our whole lives? What if we're able to be new people. Jesus says, pick up that cross. Pick up that cross. Your head and your heart together and follow me. You may want to run away and be asleep again. But pick up that cross if you want to follow me. If you still want to, Tess said yes. And they became family to one another. Tess said yes. And now we have a book that's written because someone decided to lay down their armor and to tell their story. Walter made me watch a movie last night called Bad Moms. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if any of you have seen that movie, but uh, I think it's Mila is in it. And uh, she was a perfect mom, stories of perfection, darting all around that school, throwing them at each other, just killing each other with stories of perfection. And then she craters, her husband's having a cyber affair, and then life changes. And as she goes through trying to figure out what things are, she decides that the PTA isn't all it's cracked up to be. And, and some of you may remember Barbara Edens in Harper Valley PTA. Yeah, so this is not that story, but we can celebrate Barbara still. So in this story, she decides that she's going to run for the president of the PTA. And part of getting up there, and she doesn't have a really well-prepared speech. But what she does is she lays down the armor. She lays down the armor, and she says, you know, I don't know what I'm doing. What my son needs, my daughter doesn't. And what my daughter needs, my son doesn't. And then what they both need, they don't need next week, and I have to start all over again. She said, maybe some of you are in the same place. You don't know what you're doing either, but maybe if we actually tell people this, We'll be able to connect with one another and then share stories that can bring life. You know, stop shooting the arrows of perfection and stories of what the good life is when what's true is we're all a little brokenhearted, yeah. and all our families are a little frayed around the edges. And boy, do we need each other! Not to do it on. Boy, do we need each other! And I believe when Jesus says in the middle of these two affirmations of Transfiguration Sunday and feeding the 5,000 and being so popular, Jesus is saying, there's a way to be my disciple. And it requires you to commit and to do it together. It's not on your own. It's not a lonely enterprise. It's all of you gathered here. Every single one of you pick up your cross together and follow me. He says, you can do it even. Jesus expects us to do it. Like he thinks we can. Maybe we can. Um, Our author Glennon says she had to go through an act of repentance to let go of all of that stuff. And she says this, repentance is a magical moment when a sliver of light finds its way into the place of darkness in my heart. And I'm able to see clearly how my jerkiness is keeping me from peace and joy in a specific area of my life. Oh God, we need repentance so that we can lay down those pieces that keep us separate from one another. We can lay them down and we can commit to a life without needing them the way we did before. We can stay awake and we can find each other. My mom had one of these times in her life. On my 10th birthday, they initiated the process of divorce and my family of my second dad... For nine months, they'd been married, been married in the church, found each other in the church. It was the real things. They were looking for diamonds, and they found coal. And they were treading water, and they called it quits. He was abusive, and my mom made the right decision, but she couldn't handle the shame. We lived in Clear Lake, and we went to church downtown at St. Paul's Methodist in a big Gothic church where all those people looked perfect. They had the right kind of pearls around their neck and high heels, you know? We were a little three-person family. A single mom had been divorced twice, and she was pretty sexy, and they weren't sure what to do with us. (laughs) Did you see that picture up there? I don't know if you saw it already, but there's a picture of our little three-person family. Um, And you you might see that we're all really short. but I want you to know when you tell me I'm short I don't feel it because I'm the tall one (laughs) of that bunch of people and so she thought she ran far enough away she had enough distance but the associate pastor of that church who had married her came and found her and said Mary we need you to come back we will be your family come back she couldn't really still lift up her head even with him there It took a few weeks for her to let it sink in, and then finally we got in that car and made that hour-long trip to church again downtown. But the shame, the wanting to stay separate, was so strong that she had to really repent, not of a second divorce, but of believing that God's love didn't cover it all, believing that we were so separate we couldn't find our way back. Glennon says, if you run away from crucifixion, you might just miss redemption. But if we want redemption, we have to let one stick eventually and not just run away. We have to sit through the pain long enough to rise again. We have to sit through the pain long enough to rise again. That means staying awake and not going to sleep again, even as much as we want to. Now, there's a cost to picking up that cross sometimes people think you know jesus saying take up the cross and go away negative teachings about that suffering and and judgment and what it means to be a doormat and let people walk over you all this negative stuff about what it means to pick up your cross that it's just an awful thing and it's too hard but i would tell you it's not awful it is costly It takes energy, and it takes passion, and it takes joy, and it takes love, and it takes all of these different things to lay aside all the barriers between us so that we might be able to connect with one another. Pick up your cross. Pick up your cross, Jesus says. Not an awful thing, but a thing Jesus did because of passion, because of joy, because of hope. I want to share with you two ways of living from Reverend Gail O'Day. When she talks about this cross stuff, in this passage, she says there are two impulses in life. One is the impulse to acquire, take, hoard, own, protect. The other is the impulse to give and to serve. One assumes that each of us can be the Lord of our own lives and that our own security and fulfillment depend on our ability to provide for ourselves. The other confesses the sovereignty of God and devotes life to the fulfillment of God's redemptive will in delivering and empowering others, establishing justice and peace, tearing down barriers, reconciling persons, and creating communities. Those who devote themselves to these tasks confess that true fulfillment of life is to be found in service, in the service of Christ, and that that is our only security. You may have experienced both ways of living. You may have had to wake up to realize you could not do it alone, no matter how much you kept, no matter how much money you made, no matter how much your bank account was, or retirement account, or anything else you trusted in to know that then you needed somebody else. This author says, we are invited by Jesus to live differently. To pick up a cross and go forward. Freud said it this way. There's two urges, thanatos and eros. Thanatos is the urge to death. Eros is the urge to life. One gives you living creation. The other brings you to, what did she say? Boredom. Boredom. If you want to continue following me, Jesus said, pick up your cross. Commit to life. Commit to healing. Commit to love. Commit to hope. Commit to all these things that I've been about. Commit to justice. Commit to the poor. Commit to the marginalized. Pick up your cross and follow me. One of our members created this wonderful little blue cross for us. The thing is, we take it too individually. Jesus wasn't talking to one person, Jesus was talking to the crowd. All of you together pick up the cross and follow me. So I can pick up this cross, I can lift it, I can hold it for a good long time, but then you know what? If I can hold it out here, eventually my arms are going to get tired. And then I remember Jesus said, oh, Troy, you don't do this on your own. Pick up your cross. He said to the crowd. Pick up your cross and follow me. So this is what it looks like. It looks like these all these people, Ulysses and Vicky and Angela, coming up here and each putting their hand on this cross. And when Jesus says, pick up this cross, <laughs> it looks like this. It's not a shaming thing. It's not a thing you cannot do. It's a thing we can do together for justice and peace in this world. Because Jesus is saying, you want to be my disciples. You want to follow me. It's not a solo task. Pick up your cross, all of you. It looks like this. And follow me. Amen. <laughs>
2: Me, oh, God touched me.
1: Good morning and welcome. My name is Manuel Diaz.